look forward to retirement and avoid the pitfalls. Keep listening for ways to maximize your retirement income. More Than Money with the Popowich Carmelli Advisory Group, CIBC Woodgundy, on News Talk 770. Lifestyle Matters, it's More Than Money. I'm Faisal Carmelli, and my co-host is not here today. Dave Popowich will be away, going to take care of the show, but i got to bring in my... I guess my guest on the show right off the get-go, we're going to have Betty Jo <laughs> in studio joining me. Betty Jo, how are you? I'm actually very good. How are you? I'm very good. How's the family? All happy and healthy? Everybody is healthy, and I'm extremely happy. I'm in the studio. I get to escape the house to come <laughs> to the station and record your show and a couple of other little recordings. There's nobody here. Nice and quiet. Very quiet, very clean, and I get to escape the... So we have like about a 1,500-square-foot bungalow, and there's five people. Wow. Dean's working from home, two university students, plus (laughs) one of the university students also has a full-time job from home, and then a grade 7 student and me and Joseph the dog. And I got to tell you, Faisal, it's um, it's a different time. (laughs) (laughs) It is a different time. We're, you're bumping into people. You're, there's no real personal space, even though you guys are in your own personal space. And it's going to be a challenging time. I'm going to find out for, um, how long this kind of thing will be. What do you think? Do you think it's going to be for a while? Or Honestly, yeah. We're, we're kind of hunkering down and planning at least till the end of May, maybe longer. Yeah. Uh, we talked to Dean's dad last night. He's living in Creston. And... Mm-hmm. He's in his uh, early 80s, and he's starting to be a little concerned. There's the grocery stores in Creston. The last time he went, the shelves were getting really empty. Yeah. And so we have some concerns about him like being that far away and not yeah. being able to check in. Um, I, I think being in the city here, I feel very confident. I mean, there's always tons of produce, tons of meat. Yeah, sure, the yeast has gone off the shelves. Mm-hmm. And I know flour, there's not a lot of flour. But for the most part, we have everything we need. Yeah. And I think it's a it's really an opportunity to just, like, really rediscover your relationships with your family. What's really important? Like, taking the dog for a walk is taking on a whole new meaning. Yeah. It used yeah. to be, I need to get physically fit, Joseph needs a walk. And now it's like, oh, look at the sky. Yeah. Look at the snowflakes. Like everything just has yeah. a different meaning, hey? Yeah, you take things in a different tone or a different perspective. The minute you can walk outside that door, take your dog for a walk. I have my dog, Nacho, and I got to take her for a walk. And it's like, ah, <laughs> I, can, I can leave my home. Yay. Yeah. And, and, uh, and, and just get out there. And, and normally I... I would take those things for granted, and so it's a it's a different change. It's a it's a different way of of working. You and I are are still working, which is a good thing. But there's been many Canadians out of a job are frantic, worried, panic, and and in this time, we want to kind of understand what's happening from an economic and market perspective, Betty Joe. We yes. also we're also hearing from a lot of people. I want to tell you a quick story. I have been sent via social media. 150 to 200 different scams. Wow. Yeah. So I'll go more detail when our show comes on for that, but there are some creative new scams and to watch out for right now. Uh, we want to hear about some of the most uh, uh, prevalent ones out there, and so we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the markets, and I think these are the kind of things that keep on coming up. The good of people are coming up. I'm seeing a lot of people reaching out by social media saying, if you need anything, just just send me a note. Yes. And then you hear the opposite end saying there's people who are taking this crisis and trying to uh, use it to their own advantage. 
Yeah, it's really it's really interesting. It brings out the very worst and the very best of people, doesn't it? Yeah, so you get to really see the true character of the individual in these in these types of things. And we're reaching out to people that we've never really reached out to before. Like I have friends in Ontario. Yeah, yeah, we'll get together when we get together. But this time around, we all made the special effort to get on that Zoom call and and chat with each other. And even if we just all sat there in three minutes of silence, yeah. we were together in silence. It yes. was a little bit different. <laughs> yes. Tell me about your trip to the grocery store. Has How do you feel about that? How's that changed for you? So I think what in my area, what they're doing is they're really practicing the social distance. So they're letting in only a certain number of members into the uh, into the grocery store. And then as one person leaves, another person can go in. So they're okay, that's really new. controlling the in and out flow of that, which was very interesting. I really liked that, what they were doing there, just to make things a bit easier. Um, the, the, the part of that's somewhat frustrating is that some people just still haven't got it that they get upset that plastic bags are not there or they're very upset it's not a regular experience yeah no for them in this time right i'm really glad to hear that because the last time i went to the grocery store which was a few days ago i was uncomfortable there was a lot of people and a lot of people aren't getting it and like i wouldn't walk down an aisle if there was more than two people i just waited at the end of the aisle yeah. Like just patience patience and i found that there wasn't a lot of that and i just it it, it really it it frightened me a little bit, like, and it irritated me. So I'm glad to hear that your experience is they're going to start tracking people one at a time or, or whatever, a, a yeah. certain number that come in. I'm fine. The shopping cart's not as full when people are going at the first round yes. when we, we were all isolated. People were storing up like it was, they were hibernating for the winter. Yes. Um, and now they're kind of just picking a few items that they need and they, and they go home. So that's kind of slowed down the whole hoarding mentality yes. that I've seen, but which is very, very challenging for the for the grocery store because now they got to decide how much they buy and how do they stock the shelves and keep that inventory going. But it's still the basics right now without, like you mentioned, yeast and flowers kind of uh, thin on the, on the, on the shelves still toilet paper, apparently is the number one commodity in the world. And, <laughs> Uh, and those types of things, but it's it's. I think we're getting a bit more orderly. Yes. With this with this new uh, new way. Yeah, a, g- a colleague uh, and I were just chatting about what's better: shopping every two weeks and being in the store for a long time, having to go up and down the aisles, grabbing lots of stuff, or running in, getting the jug of milk, the loaf of bread, the head of lettuce, and dashing out. So the conversations we're having now are so completely different, and the diversification. There's yeah. a couple of restaurants that have completely changed their model. Sure, there's a lot that are doing takeaway, but I found one that's you can order your groceries. They have their suppliers still bringing in their produce and their meats and their dairy, and you can order like a dairy pack, and they'll get you a dozen eggs, a jug of milk, a couple of different kinds of cheese, and you can swing by the restaurant and pick up that bag of groceries. I know. I was, I was, like, that's just being diverse, right? Like, how can we adjust in this new world? And I'm, I think it's really cool. I I think it's great. I'm finding it very interesting how some of these food delivery places are working as well. So some of these companies are saying they'll just drop the food off at the front door and and leave. They won't, they won't hand it to you. Um, And there's still many of these restaurants that are not utilizing their services, which I find interesting. Here's an opportunity that I can continue being a customer of yours and, and they're not coming in. So there's going to be a lot of impact, I think, 
there's companies who are choosing not to participate in this opportunity, and they're going to have some impact. There's going to be some companies who are going to reinvent themselves, like the one that you were just referring to, that if you can provide me with my basics, my dairy, um, I'm still in contact with you. You're still making some money. And, yes. And when it comes time when we get, a, get over this this uh, situation, I'll, I'll still be somewhat loyal to you because you were there for me when I needed my dairy, right? 100%. Yeah, I think it's, it's, uh, it's great. Calgarians are very good at... Uh, being entrepreneurial and different. I know there's an art company, uh, they do art classes, so they're used to having people come into their store. Well, now they're doing online art classes and they'll sell you the supplies and they'll deliver it to your door. Beautiful. See, a little bit I different, think, right? I think come, you know, the end of mid, end of April, early May, those are the organizations that are going to really blossom because there's only so much. Now, of course, we're an exception because my house is a bit of a mess. But we have to go through all of the room. We're doing a bunch of all every room, every closet, purge, organize. I know a lot of people that are taking this opportunity to get their house in order. But really, like once that's done. You know, there's. I, I think that those online classes are really, really going to benefit in the next well, six so. to eight weeks. Yeah, I think so. I think this is going to be a very big turn of the economy. The new gig economy is going to change in the way it looks. So. I'm excited, and I'm also excited about about our upcoming webinar. Uh, uh, Betty Joe, Dave and I will be doing a webinar on uh, Tuesday, April 21st, 7 p.m. This is our first live online event. So normally we have people come into a session, and we do a bit of a, a one-hour session with them, have some questions and answers, but this time we're going to do it live online. Uh, now you need to register to bulletproof your retirement, go online to morethanmoneyradio.com to register. That's morethanmoneyradio.com. And we're going to answer all your questions live after our, our video conference. So that'll be, that'll be great. And so coming up after the break, now we've heard about what's happening in the grocery stores. We're seeing what's happening uh, in with this whole COVID-19 and the markets are doing what they're doing. But is this going to be leading us to a depression? Are we going to go through another major recession? And what's the impact to all of our portfolios and our pocketbook? We're going to talk about that after the break. You're listening to 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Welcome back to More Than Money and 70, 770 CHQR. Uh, these, these markets are all over the place. We have seen a fast drop. We've seen a little bit of a recovery and then another small drop. And it's going all over the place and people are concerned. Their portfolios, their retirement, their savings are being impacted and we're trying to make a big understanding of this mess. And it's very difficult to do so. So you got to bring on some of the, the smartest minds out there. And we've got Philip Peterson, reoccurring guest. He's also the chief investment strategist for Manulife Investments. Philip, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I hope you're doing well. Yeah, same here. Hope you're doing well and the family is well and safe out in Toronto. I just uh, wanted to touch base with you on this because... It's been a mess. Like people are just were surprised, shocked. The markets reacted in multiple ways that really surprised. So let's kind of give our listeners where are we right now when you look at the markets and when you look at what's happening. Okay, so we need to accept the fact that uh, Canada and the United States and perhaps globally were in a recession or entering into a recession. This might not seem like a typical recession where you see two quarters of negative GDP growth. This might not go on for six months. Um, it doesn't matter. We're in a recessionary environment nonetheless, and the markets are responding to that. So this sudden stop of economic activity uh, is going to weigh on corporate profitability for a quarter or two. Um, and that's what is being priced in, and that's why the markets are down as they are. 
Um, this is very, very typical of what you would see during a recession. You get bear markets. Um, and so what I think has is, is been more surprising is the speed at which mm-hmm. the markets have fallen and the day-to-day volatility. It hasn't been you know, 2%, 3%. It's been 6%, 7%, you know, down days met by you know, 4%, 5% up days. And that, I think, is what has really surprised investors um, is just the, the extreme volatility that we've had in the marketplace um, that uh, I think really caught a lot of professionals and, and you know, everyday investors uh, really off, off guard. There's been a few things that have occurred since uh, the, the pandemic started. Let's go to as far back as, as January. Um, when we started hearing out what's happening in, in China, we, the markets didn't take it too hard. They thought it might be a China issue only. It started to spread. People started getting concerned. Uh, lockdowns and shutdowns were happening. So now that spooked the market. But there was a couple things happening in the background, Philip. One was there was, at least to me, a lack of liquidity in the financial market. The piping was getting clogged and money wasn't moving as freely. And in my opinion, this is why the central bankers got involved. What's, what's your take on that whole liquidity issue that we saw uh, not too long ago? Well, there's a couple of things that, that happened. I think we can go all the way back to September and talk about the repo markets. This is the, uh, the overnight financing markets that goes on uh, interbank. Um, and that um, kind of got gummed up, if you will, if you want to think about it that way. And that was a function more of, of the Federal Reserve as they were unwinding this quantitative easing that had gone on for years. They had taken capital out of the marketplace or taken liquidity out of the marketplace uh, too fast. Um, and so that's really what it was. And so then they, they spent the next couple of months trying to fix that. Then we come into 2020, and as you mentioned, yes, you know, we have seen uh, tighter liquidity, um, and the central banks in Canada, in the United States, and around the world have thrown everything at, uh, at the credit markets, uh, financial markets, to make sure that there's plenty of liquidity out there. We're talking the dollar swap markets, all of that. And it seems that things have calmed down a little bit since then. Um, and I would argue that we are in, in a, a reasonable place as far as global liquidity for the financial markets is concerned. During that time, a lot of individual investors and maybe even institutional investors assumed that fixed income or bonds would have been a safe haven. And you would actually either see an increase in the value of your bonds or at least a zero rate of return. And we saw in some cases double digit losses in the fixed income world. So what happened there? Yeah, it really fascinating. It was it, the, immediately while we were seeing uh, what would have been otherwise safe haven assets um, do well, they were actually selling off. Um, when you start to dig deeper into what was going on, it was actually a function of, um, I would say, the financial markets, not uh, and financial markets and margin calls. Uh, and having to reduce leverage in portfolios, um, and so liquidating the most liquid asset you had, um, as opposed to markets saying, ooh, I don't like what's going on over here in bonds, I'm just going to start dumping my bonds. That actually wasn't the case uh, based on my conversations with traders out there. What really happened was, because the equity markets were falling as fast as they were, investors that were using leverage 
were being faced with with margin calls and had to raise cash to cover their position. And so rather than sell the equity that's down 25 to 30%, they would rather sell uh, something that hadn't fallen as much. Gold was the same thing. We saw mm-hmm. gold actually sell off early, and it was, again, atypical of what we, you would expect. Um, and so it was more sellers having to cover their positions uh, than the buyers at the time. Now, since then, we've had a couple things happen. One, it seems that the market is normalized, and, and two, the Fed has come in to backstop the corporate bond markets, the investment-grade corporate bond markets, uh, and now things have kind of rebounded and resumed their – we're not completely you – know, you're not still seeing some negatives in terms of some bond returns, um, uh, but at least it's better than where we were, say, two weeks ago. And this was across the spectrum. We saw – U.S. Treasury sell-off. We saw investment-grade bonds sell-off, high-yield bonds sell-off, gold sell-off. It was, it was right across. Anything that was a source of cash to cover leverage was utilized that way. Then the federal governments pretty much around the world came in and said, we're going to do whatever it takes to, uh, to I call it, prevent economic destruction. Uh, they didn't use those words. I have. When you look at what Canada, U.S., and other countries around the world have done, are they just preventing us from going into a Great Depression, or is this considered, quote-unquote, stimulus? I, well, that's a good way to define it. I would say it is uh, preventing us from falling into a Great Depression. We are, we are going to see uh, – we're in a recession. When you look at the jobs data, we're absolutely in a recession, um, and that's going to be the case for the next couple of months. Uh, we'll see how long it lasts. Uh, and what the government is doing is trying to mitigate the damage of this this government mandated sudden stop. Um, but the, uh, the the bright side to that is, at some point, the government can also say, "Okay, get back to work," yeah. and flip the switch. And it won't be the all the jobs won't come back online immediately tomorrow, but over a, a uh, very, in my mind, a, a fairly short time frame we'll see a significant recovery of uh, those jobs. Yeah, and so that's where I think the, the governments are just coming in to protect it from destruction. Um, I don't like the word stimulus because they're not stimulating anything. They're protecting the bottom. They're kind of giving us a floor. Has the markets put priced that in? Has the market said, okay, we've got stimulus and there are, or fiscal stimulus. We're going to get some more most likely, so we've, we can price the market at this level based on that information? The markets are pricing it in, but I think the markets are still a little too optimistic. Um, and I think we could see, again, this, is, this would be typical of what we get in a, in a recessionary bear market. I think we could see a little bit more downside. You know, we did see the bounce uh, off of the, uh, the 23rd of March, where that, was, uh, that almost seemed like a near-term low, and, and markets have come back uh, since then. The question was, oh, is this it? Are we over you know, the, the hump, and is this the start of the new bear market? It's too early to call that. Um, the markets are liking what they're seeing with respect to the, the almost $200 billion in, in support. The, the Canadian government is putting forward the $2 trillion in financial support that the U.S. government is putting forward. But we, we will see more of this, and this is just a bridge, right? Uh, this, is, this is to prevent uh, things from getting really, really bad. Uh, and it makes sense. If the government is going to say, Faisal, you can't go to work, well, okay, you can't earn an income. Um, They're not going to say, and you're on your own. They obviously have to step in and say, while we are telling you that you are unable to earn an income, we're going to cover you. 
you know, these types of issues that come up, this type of volatility, sudden shocks, or what we call black swan events, make sure you look at your retirement portfolio and say, how do I structure my portfolio so I can still receive income, even though this kind of volatility is happening? And there's some different strategies out there. What we're going to share with you on April 21st is our way of bulletproofing your retirement, talking about asset dedication. And we're going to do that on a live webinar on Tuesday. April 21st, 7 p.m., live online. Now, to register, you have to go to morethanmoneyradio.com. That's morethanmoneyradio.com to register. Coming up after the break, Philip says this market could go down. Could we see another 50% drop? He'll tell you right after the break. You're listening to 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Welcome back. You're listening to More Than Money and 770 CHQR. And before the break, we were talking to Philip Peterson, Chief Investment Strategist with Manulife Investments. And we were talking about maybe the market hasn't priced in all the negative yet. And so there's a potential downside. And Philip, uh, uh, I wanted to kind of bring you back and chat with you because you and I have had many conversations while this whole situation has been going on. And our conversations have been about, you know, how deep can this really go? And we've done a very good job at, at having those conversations. You've done a very good job at giving us some data that we keep continue looking at. One thing that you and I talked about was, can this market fall 50%? So we're down about, let's call it 30% from February highs. Do you see another 20, 30% drop from here? Uh, quick answer is no, we don't. And um, here's where perhaps, uh, I hope I'm not being overly optimistic, but because this recession is, is basically government mandated, the recovery will be somewhat government mandated too. And so we know how this ends. We know... We know we'll get back to work. We know that we will get back to normal. It's only a matter of time. Um, and so I don't think that this environment is like 2008 or even the worst case scenario, like the Great Depression. A couple of reasons. One, again, because I think the government can say, all right, you know, go back to work. We think we've we've done enough. Uh, whatever the, the end point is, I think they'll say we've done enough. Let's let's get back to normal. And two, because of everything that the government and central banks have done up to this point that we didn't see until later on in 08, didn't see until later on, uh, well deep into the 30s, you know, well past the, um, the start of the Great Depression. So that gives me uh, a little bit more optimism. Secondly, um, so when you look at valuation and, and stock market valuation and earnings um, and our thought towards earnings, it's... It's hard for me to to price in that type of drop. I think we are more than halfway through. I do think there's a little bit more downside from here, um, but I don't think it's the 25 to 30 percent. I think it's more the five to 15 percent range. Um, but at these levels, you know, so I think one of the things that we need to think about is now how do we position for a recovery? Right? And that's what we're thinking about and spending our time on. And at these levels, historically. Uh, a dollar in the market uh, is re is rewarded 12 to 24 months in. And that's what you and I had a conversation on. I remember I woke you up so early in the morning. We were talking about this. And I'm like, Philip, the upside potential is way better. And I'm the growth guy on the team. So I get excited. I want to put more money in the equity markets at times like this. As long as I'm picking good company, there's going to be the good, the bad, the ugly of companies out there. I think it's all balance sheet based. I think we need to look at that. But when you're looking at opportunities going forward, where do you start to slowly dip your toes into it? Are we looking at good fiscally uh, managed companies? Are we looking at, you know, those got hit hard, like cruise lines and hotels and stuff like that? Or where do, where do we go with our money? It's, it's a little bit of everything. So one, obviously, we want to buy 
good companies. So I want to buy companies that have uh, a good uh, business model uh, that are, are fiscally responsible, um, that aren't over levered, uh, and and companies that I think um, will come out of this in a better position. So um, when you mentioned the cruise lines, I'm not as convinced that people are going to be running back to the cruise lines right away. Um, I think that's going to take a little bit of time. I think, for example, the airlines look a little bit better than that, mm-hmm. right? So, uh, and the airlines have been absolutely beaten up. And again, I don't believe that the airlines are going to be allowed to go under um, because the government said, hey, you know, you can't fly across border now. Uh, so that's one area that I think is quite good. There are a number of, of um, uh, consumer-related companies that, uh, again, have been absolutely beaten up, good business models, good track record of a success, good management. And I think it's just a matter of time, again, when the government says go back to work, that people will be like, great, I can go out and get pick up what I need to at, at these stores and, and whatnot. Um, so it's, it's being selective. Uh, mm-hmm. Right now, I am looking at those companies that have been really beaten up and going through the fundamentals, looking at them and trying to to price in what a recovery would look like and taking advantage of those uh, before we look at the other ones that, you know, maybe they're only down you know, five or 10 percent. Yes, they're good businesses um, like the grocery stores, for example. It's like, well, you know, I don't think people are going to eat more food mm-hmm. you know, as a result of this. I think they're going to continue to eat it as much as they have before. So that might not be as as good of uh, a company because it hasn't been beaten up enough for to, to look really attractive. So that that's how we're looking at it. The ones that have been really beaten up that look like solid businesses that are in a position to recover strongly yeah. are the most attractive today. What are, what is your research showing about the energy market? Because if I don't talk about that on this show, I'm going to be in a lot of trouble. We've got a lot of oil and gas companies hammered 60, 70 percent, whatever they may be. Oil's fallen as much. They're trying to recover a bit with Trump's comments and everything. What's the what's the outlook for the commodity itself? And then let's talk about those companies here in Canada. How do they survive this? Certainly. I mean, the first one is the commodity itself. Um, first thing we have to understand is no producer is making money at these levels, whether you are a sovereign producer or a, a commercial producer. Uh, you are not making money. Um, and this is a uh, really a game of attrition uh, between the Middle East, Saudi Arabia, Russia, and the United States, and basically every oil producer is pulled into this as a result. We also believe that this can't go on for long because um, because no one's making money. Even the Saudis aren't making money at these levels. So with that in mind, this will come to an end as well. And if we look 12 months out, I start to see higher prices for oil. Okay. Right. I, I, where uh, is that back to the January highs of 60, 61 dollars a barrel for West Texas and immediate? Probably not. But is it somewhere between where we are today and 60 dollars? Yes, I think that's realistic. So um, there will be companies that will survive and do well as a result of that. Um, it's really trying to back to what you said, finding those good businesses, the ones that will make it, the ones that are in a better financial position with less leverage are the ones that are going to be rewarded. Um, and while I, I believe that the energy sector, if I had to classify it or characterize it, I would say it is highly speculative at this point. Um, but there are some bargains as well to be had there. If you believe, like we do, that this game of attrition won't go on uh, for much longer and 12 months out of oil prices will be higher than where they are today. 
Philip, you're transitioning to or living in retirement. For those who are listening to our show are wondering how do they position their portfolio. Uh, we've had numerous conversations on this, too. Uh, if you're looking at a balanced portfolio today, and we normally consider balanced as 60% stocks, 40% bonds. In, in today's market, maybe a little bit of a difference. What are you guys seeing as as the, the right mix between stocks and bonds at this point in time? Well, we, we've we been um, a little bit more uh, defensive in terms of our positioning over the last um, almost year now. Since, uh, so we've been underweight stocks and overweight fixed income, by, and that split is 50-50. But as of March, as of the end of March, when we rebalance our model portfolio, we've actually increased our weight to equities uh, by 5% now, but with an idea that we're going to continue to increase this weight um, over over the coming quarters because now the opportunity set looks attractive 12 months out. So I would say the first thing is rebalance to your target asset allocation. Um, our work shows that if you rebalance, you have a higher probability or, or you're, you're going to get back to your prior level faster uh, than waiting and hoping for the equity markets to rebound and, and leaving your asset allocation static. So rebalancing is key. But then within that portfolio, there are, and we've talked about this, there are a lot of companies that pay dividends. Um, now here you have to be careful about which company you own because mm-hmm. a lot of companies are suspending their dividend, Correct. energy sector being being a key one. But there are other companies that are paying very attractive dividends that I believe are going to be maintained. And so at these levels, you can pick up dividend yields of 5 6 8% in some cases with companies that look to to maintain that dividend over time, they're, they're somewhat secure. So that's a way of enhancing your income overall. Then on the fixed income side, same here too. We're finding bond yields in the you know, 5 to 9% range. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not just what you see the government of Canada offering in terms of its bonds. It's corporate debt, high-quality corporate debt uh, that are at attractive levels and plus some high yield that's at attractive levels. And so these are ways to enhance your income by shifting your portfolio around to some of these opportunities. Philip, it's been a long time since you and I have talked about dividend yields of 5 to 8%, rates of yield on return on bonds between 5 and 9%. It's been a long time. It's some, I get excited about these times because it's like shopping time for me, but uh, um, it's been a while, hasn't it? It's been, it's been a little over 10 years. <laughs> but the last time we talked about this, it was really 2009 when we yeah. talked about this last. Um, and we have to recognize that we're only given these opportunities once every 10 or 20 years. Yeah. Uh, and this is one of those opportunities. This, this is one of those times when we can take advantage of it. Um, because if we don't, I know from what we've gone through with 2008 and nine, there will be those that will regret it. And you, know, you never want to look back and think, I knew when it was yielding this or when it was priced at this that we should have bought, and I didn't do anything. Absolutely. Philip, I want to thank you so much for joining us on the show. Great pleasure. Thank you. These are the challenges that every investor has, everybody transitioning to and living in retirement have concerns. So how do you separate your income so you don't have to worry about that through these types of market conditions and still get the opportunities for growing your portfolio like Philip and I were just talking about. We're going to have that solution for you on Tuesday, April 21st, 7 p.m. on a live online show. You do need to register. 
So go to morethanmoneyradio.com. That's morethanmoneyradio.com to register. Okay, there's a lot of fraud happening. There's a lot of scams happening. We want you to come back, take a listen to what we have out there because these scams, you have to know what's going on while we're all practicing self-isolation. You're listening to 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Welcome back. You're listening to 770 CHQR and More Than Money. And I want to tell you a story about what's happening to me as I'm self-isolated at home. I have a lot of uh, people that I communicate with and interact with online. Uh, My social media platforms are slowly growing. And in that situation, a lot of people are reaching out and providing me with ideas of how to make quick money. I have received probably 150 to 200 different messages saying, do you want to invest in Bitcoin mining? Do you want to do some foreign exchange trading? And these are people from around the world. They're, you know, have you received your Facebook uh, user grant? All these different scams are coming out. And uh, there are people who are, are opening their hearts to, to individuals and helping them. And there's also people who are taking advantage of people as they are self-isolated. And so we wanted to bring on, of course, some of the experts to talk about what kind of frauds and scams are happening you need to be aware of. We've got Hillary McMeekin, Manager of Communications for the Alberta Securities Commission. Hillary, thank you for joining us today. Thank you very much for having me. This this really bothers me. At a time like Mm -hmm. this, um, we are we're some we're stuck in our homes to some degree and and I know we have to do this for the benefit benefit of all people, but there are a lot of individuals who are who are scamming and, and committing fraud to to Albertans every single day online. This is the easiest way now. Before you you had stuff like you know telephones, people aren't always picking up their phones or other ways of scam, but now people are online easier and quicker than ever before. And yeah. it frustrates me. I, I wanted to bring you on the show because I wanted to talk about, you know, people are spending more time at home. What are some of the major frauds that these that individuals need to be aware of today? Mm-hmm. You know what? I, I'm so glad to be here because all of us at the ASC are, are just as concerned as you. Um, I mean, I heard a stat yesterday. I was in a conversation with members of our enforcement team. They told me that based on some stats they were provided, in the last month, over 40,000 websites have been created related to do with COVID or the coronavirus. And that's 40,000. And most of those are not with the best of intentions. So absolutely, there are some legitimate organizations and and companies out there, um, you know, trying to do what they can to support, but we need to be mindful of that. So just like you said, um, and and even the way you described it, we call that emerging sector scams, right? It's that the latest taught thing. And, and, And fraudsters jump on this in any way they possibly can. Um, two most recent ones that we've seen and, and we're paying close attention to are pump and dumps and, and digital advertising scams, which you referenced. Mm-hmm. Uh, do, you, do you want me to talk Go about, a bit about both of those y- things? Yeah, let okay. them know what it is. Yeah. Okay. So, so in terms of that digital advertising, just like you said, right, we're online. We're online all the time. And these ads come up on our social media channels or, you know, the places that we're checking out. And they say things like, um, you know, great opportunity to work from home. You can become a financial markets trader. And, and then the ad goes on further to say that you don't need experience and you don't need a license. But, of course, you need to pay fees to these firms that are offering these cool opportunities. Well, yeah. 
I mean, what do we know? We know that it, it, there are real professionals that are traders. It takes education, and it, and you do need to be registered with the Alberta Securities Commission in Alberta. So, um, so we believe that those kinds of ads are are not neither the firms or the fees that they're charging are legitimate. So that that's one thing we're seeing. The other thing is pump and dump schemes, and and we call these pump and dump because a fraudster will lure investors in into buying an investment in what is actually a, a shell company. Uh, they claim to have a, a cool vaccine or the, the latest greatest ventilator or something related to COVID. They lure them in, of course, using, you know, drawing on those heartstrings. They pump up the stock. So by getting more people to come in and buy, it pumps up the stock. And then, then they take all their money out and the stock, uh, you know, drops suddenly and, and the investors are left with nothing. And the fraudsters have taken the money away. So, those are those are two things that we're seeing and we're paying close attention to right now. How do you protect your family when when you're going through this? I'm just I'm thinking like you're you've lost your job, you've got some yeah. money saved up, you're worried about will you get to go back to work? When will you go back to work? How long will your savings last? All this emergency money the governments are pushing in. I can't get on the website. I'm having a high. You, this is a high stressful mm-hmm. time, and yeah. in comes this note online that says you can make money quickly. So it's it's attractive. It, it, is. it, it can draw yeah. people in. So how, in, when you're th- when you see that, how do you protect your family from going down that rabbit hole? Uh, absolutely. Um, you know. You're, yes. So. Number one, if you get that promotional email coming in, scroll all the way to the bottom and read the fine print first. Most often we don't, right? We look mm-hmm. at the cool idea, the big bold letters, right? And, and understandably, because we're looking for new opportunities for ourselves and our families. But the fine print at the bottom, it actually will say, because these are paid promoters, right? And particularly in those pump and dump schemes, the paid promoters are out there. They're sending these emails to hook you in. And at the bottom, they'll actually say it's a paid promotion. And if, the, if it's a scam, they aren't responsible for the information. So they're quite bold in the fine print. Um, it's actually surprised our enforcement teams at times. So absolutely read the fine print. Take the time to read the fine print. Um, also do do homework on the organization or the, or the company that they're talking about. If, you know, now they're in the COVID containment business and six months ago they were in the cannabis business and Correct. maybe a year ago they were in the mining business. Correct. Frequent changes in business in, in the major, in the nature of their business is a big red flag. So um, just honestly do your research around that and really look into, look into all the information they've given. Use that, that search bar that you've got on your, that Google or whatever it is you're using. Um, also, if anyone is pressuring you, take that as a red flag. Absolutely. We can all take time right now to just contemplate whatever opportunities are in front of us. So there should be no high-pressure sales. High-pressure sales are something that we call a red flag. Yeah. And, of course, first and foremost, anyone guaranteeing low risk with high reward, that's a red flag. Because we know in this world there, there isn't such thing as low risk. So, you know, if your spidey senses are tingling and you think it's too good to be true, it probably is. Uh, you know, honestly, we just um, we just launched a refreshed checkfirst.ca. It's our it's it's an, it's a website set up specifically for investors of all ages, all all interests, and it, it is a great resource that provides free and unbiased information for investors to check out. 
uh, really is worth checking out. And, you know, the last thing, and this is, this is really critical to us, if you, have, if you see something and you're concerned about it, reach out to us through that website, through checkfirst.ca, and tell us about it. Because the sooner we can find out about it, the sooner we can try to take action and disrupt what's going on. So um, by all means, don't ever hesitate to reach out and call our inquiries line because someone on the other end would be happy to take the information and, and, and maybe provide more information back. It just depends on the circumstances. But, but that's what we're there for. Hillary, I've, I've had some conversations with individuals who've been exposed to some of these frauds and scams, and I've said to them, before you do anything, take a vacation. And they kind of mm. give me that weird look, and I said, take seven days. And go on to two areas. Go on the Alberta Securities Commission website. Go to the check first. Check. Figure out if that's if they're able to solicit and do business in this province. That's number one. Exactly. Absolutely. Number two. This is our little secret, Hillary. Not many people know about this around the world. This is our little secret. Go on Google, and Google yeah. the information <laughs> of this company or the idea of what they're trying to share, and take a seven-day vacation away from the idea. And just do your due diligence. If it's good on a Monday, it'll be good the next Monday. So Absolutely. let's take a look and let's take a step back. This is the time where people are making quick decisions because they're in a high anxiety time in their lives. Yeah. We don't need yeah. to do that. So let's take a vacation away from the investment idea. Take your time. Go on, go on the Alberta Securities website, and of course, our little secret again, go on Google and do as much research as you can. And even if you put like Bitcoin reviews or whatever they're kind of sharing the idea, and you put down reviews, there's a lot of people who share their, their feelings after they've been scammed, and you can kind of get an idea of what's going on. So I think that's important. Hillary, I want to thank you so much for joining us today. We do, are running out of time, but uh, we are going to bring you back on to make sure you can give us more updates because this is very important for all of our listeners. I'd be happy to come back. Absolutely. Thank you very much. We want to thank everyone for joining us today and, re- and uh, stay tuned and stay engaged. And don't forget to go to our website, morethemoneyradio.com, to register for Tuesday, April 21st, 7 p.m. You're listening to 770 CHQR and More Than Money. David Popovich and Faisal Carmelli are portfolio managers and investment advisors with CIBC Woodgundy in Calgary. The views of David Popovich and Faisal Carmelli do not necessarily reflect those of CIBC World Markets, Inc. Clients are advised to seek advice regarding their particular circumstances from their personal tax and legal advisors. If you are currently a CIBC Woodgundy client, please contact your investment advisor. CIBC Woodgundy is a division of CIBC World Markets, Inc., a subsidiary of CIBC and a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund and Investment Industry Regulatory Organization of Canada. David Popovich and Faisal Carmelli are portfolio managers and investment advisors with CIBC Woodgundy in Calgary. The views of David Popovich and Faisal Carmelli do not necessarily reflect those of CIBC World Markets, Inc. Clients are advised to seek advice regarding their particular circumstances from their personal tax and legal advisors. If you are currently a CIBC Woodgundy client, please contact your investment advisor. CIBC Woodgundy is a division of CIBC World Markets, Inc., a subsidiary of CIBC and a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund and Investment Industry Regulatory Organization of Canada.